It's the Talking Games Podcast. How you doing, guys? Welcome back. This is the major, obviously. Uh, welcome back to episode 30 of the Talking Games Podcast. Uh, it's been a bit of a weird week. Um, as you guys know, uh, we've just moved offices. We are now working. Apologies if you can hear that outside. Uh, there is building work going on right now. Uh, but we're still with that in there. We've got about 10 days, roughly, until we get uh, our new installation date to get our phones and internet back up and running. Um, so I'm using other people's internet right now until that happens, uh, because I don't have any either. Uh, my office is in the spare room in my house. Um, so, you know, we've just moved properties from down south into London, um, further into London anyway than we were. So it's been kind of a difficult transition. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us though. Don't forget to check out the website gamesinquirer.com. Uh, there's a bunch of news and reviews up there now. Uh, YouTube, there is a new video from Closure interviewing Roman Fuhrer. Uh, one man on, on the moon. Uh, he's a Rome, he's a indie game developer. Uh, he's a developer for Leafs Adventure. It's a very good game. I suggest you check it out. Um, very cool game. I have had We have had a go of it already. Uh, thank you to Roman for uh, for that. Uh, also, don't forget to check on the socials. Make sure you follow us, Games Inquirer, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, give us a follow. We are trying to get more followers. Uh, the bigger followers we have, obviously, the more content we can produce. And your uh, your clicks really do help us out. It's the best thing you could do for us. Um, if you are interested, you can follow us on Patreon. Come subscribe. Uh, it's about £3 a month. Um, it's about the same price as a McDonald's coffee. Uh, and it really would help us out because then we could put the money towards games development. Um, also, between now and Christmas, the number of Patreon subscribers we have, obviously, with it being Christmas, um, a percentage of that, well, roughly about 20%, uh, is going to uh, the Trussell Trust, which manages UK food banks, uh, because there are about 1.4 million children currently in the UK who won't even get a Christmas present this Christmas, um, who are struggling to buy food because there's a number of families are living under the poverty line. Uh, if you can help us out, please do. Uh, we're going to start this episode off with a kind of a, a tribute uh, to the late Sir Clive Sinclair. Uh, he passed away this past Friday, aged 81. Um, he was the UK's version of Steve Jobs to many people. Very brilliant man. Um, he wasn't as celebrated now as he would have been when he was... You know, when he came out with like the electric cars and stuff in the 1970s and 80s. He was the pioneer uh, for British home computers. Uh, they created the ZX8081 and the ZX Spectrum. Um, he, very sad, uh, he invented the pocket calculator, uh, which was, and was the creator of the ZX80, obviously, uh, which was the first mass market home computer. Uh, it's priced less than £100 at the time. Uh, it was the ZX Spectrum, though, with rubber keys, a wide selection of classic games that obviously became his greatest influence or his greatest creation, uh, especially for the games industry. And if it wasn't for Clive Sinclair, we wouldn't exist. Uh, video games wouldn't exist. So um, he first released in the UK in 1982. ZX Spectrum became Britain's best-selling microcomputer, uh, 5 million units, which at the time was unheard of. Uh, you cannot exaggerate how influent or influential he was uh, on the world, especially for the gaming industry. Um, if, I mean, a lot of people, he wasn't given the praise that he was, should have been because of things like the C, the C5 electric car. Uh, at the time, people laughed it off and it wasn't very well uh, received and he didn't sell it at all. It was basically a commercial flop. Um, but if you look at what the industry is like now with cars, everything's electric. So he was way ahead of his time. Uh, 
And there's obviously a number of notable developers have also enjoyed success making ZX Spectrum games. Uh, including David Perry from Shiny Entertainment and the Darling Brothers, who started Codemasters. Uh, it was the first system of choice for Tim and Chris Stamper. Uh, and their company Ultimate played the game, uh, which would eventually become rare. Uh, the interest has been obviously paying tribute to uh, Clive Sinclair all week. Uh, it's sad to hear uh, that pioneering technologist Sir Clive Sinclair died today. Uh, that came from Mean Machines editor Julian Rignall. Um, his groundbreaking ZX Spectrum and ZX81 home micros helps kickstart the British computer industry and usher in the new era of interactive entertainment. His products inspired and delighted millions. Uh, Games Master host Dominic Diamond added, oh, you wouldn't have had a career without this guy. Uh, a lot of people, when they first start playing video games, uh, if you were my age or maybe a bit older, you would have remembered Clive Sinclair quite fondly uh, because of the fact that without him, British the British gaming industry wouldn't exist, pretty much. Um, obviously, there was there also a documentary uh, with the ZX, uh, I think it was the 81, and people was thinking it should have been the Spectrum, but because of the Spectrum, uh, it sold much better than a lot of people were expecting. Uh, they suggested to the BBC for them to help sell these, his console and said they tried to create their own. Uh, there is a documentary on that called BBC Micro Men. It's on BBC iPlayer right now. Um, I suggest you go check that out. It's a very good documentary. I can't remember the guy who plays him. Uh, he's he's been in, he's done like uh, game show hosts and he's done a few comedy skits, uh, comedy shows and he's He's done a bit of acting. He's a very good actor. Um, I, I know him as the Pims guy, though, if you know who I'm talking about. He plays uh, Clive in that uh, documentary. It's a mock, it was sort of a mockumentary more than a documentary. Um, but it's a very good show, and I suggest you go watch that. Uh, it's on BBC Play right now. And also the electric car. Uh, if you guys... this, I'm going to show you pictures. I'm going to put them up uh, on the website uh, when we post this. Uh, but the, the car, basically, uh, was... It looked like a toy car, and I think that was a lot of people's uh, into, um, impression of it when they first released it. Uh, and it look it looks like a children's car, elect children's electric toy car, if you know what I mean. It's the one the little kids sit in and drive around. It does look a little bit like that, but the fa same fact that this guy was way ahead of not just Microsoft, um, not just Elon Musk. He was this guy was running around the seventies doing this sort of making electric cars. Uh, I think they're very very cool. Um, I do think it's he was well ahead of his time as far as that. He only went eight miles, eight miles an hour, 12, 12 miles an hour. Sorry, uh, twelve miles an hour. Um, but it was a very nice looking car, to be honest. If I had one of them when I was a kid, I would have loved it. Uh, his Sinclair Radionics is the company he started. Uh, his micro kit was formalised in an exercise book dated nineteenth of June, nineteen fifty eight. Uh, three weeks pre he even did his A levels. Uh, he's then research and Sinclair vehicles. I uh, was dealing with the NEB and had seen problems developing. He had a former employer, Christopher Curry, uh, established a lifeboat company called Science of Cambridge Limited, uh, called as they were near the University of Cambridge, and planned for Curry to de develop technology from ideas from the school. Uh, Sinclair was brilliant, pretty much. He received several honours for his contributions towards helping establish the personal computer industry in the UK. Uh, in '83, he was awarded honorary degrees of Doctor of Science. By the University of Bath, Harriet Watt University and University of Warwick. Uh, he was knighted in the Queen's 1983 birthday honours list. Uh, in 84, he was honoured by Imperial College London for being made a fellow, a uh, fellow member. And he was also in 1988, the National Portrait Gallery London purchased a portrait of Sinclair by photographer Simon Lewis for its permanent collection. 
which is a very rare thing for that for that museum to do. Um, despite his involvement, he did not use the internet, saying he did not have or like have technical technical or mechanical things around him, as it distracted him from the process of invention. Uh, his first marriage, his first wife ended around 1985. Uh, he did remarry again uh, in 2010. A lasted seven years before ending the divorce, unfortunately. Uh, he died uh, 16th of September in London following an illness related to cancer, and he had, which he had it over for a decade. He was 81 years old. Very sad news. Uh, much condolences. We're dedicating this episode uh, to Sir Clive Sinclair's memory. Uh, hopefully, uh, his family have time to grieve. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever have anybody like him ever again uh, because of how brilliant he was. He was a very talented man. Uh, also, another thing that will make you cry. Uh, Daniel Craig's farewell speech will leave you in tears. Uh, he's bid farewell to the role of James Bond uh, from his new movie, No Time to Die, which is his final 007 film. Uh, the clip of Craig is taken from the documentary Being James Bond, which is a new Apple TV show uh, that explores Craig's time in the role from 2006 till now. Uh, the video reveals that Craig's final scene as Bond involved the actor running down an alleyway out of frame. Uh, he does give an emotional speech to the crew uh, after this, uh, after the production had wrapped up. Uh, he says, A lot of people have worked on five films with me. I know there's a lot of things said about what I think about these films and all of those whatever, Craig said. Uh, but I'd love every single second of those movies. Especially this one because I've got up every morning and had the chance to work with you guys. This has been one of the greatest honours of my life. Uh, you will be able to watch Being James Bond, uh, available to rent now for the t Apple TV app through October 7th. Uh, it tracks his 15-year tenure as 007, uh, including reflections on Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and his last movie, No Time to Die. Numerous delays, though, obviously have hit the, uh, the cinema, meaning No Time to Die has been delayed until October 8th. Uh, the film was originally slated to release in April of this last year. Uh, his farewell uh, film will be the longest James Bond movie to date, though. Clocking in at near just under two hours, uh, just under three hours, two hours forty three minutes. Uh, also, we're going to jump into a bit of Activision Blizzard. I want to get the bad stuff out of the way, the sad stuff, from being sad to being angry. Uh, Activision Blizzard employees have filed a complaint accusing the company of worker intimidation. Uh, you guys know our thoughts on Activision Blizzard. Uh, we try to keep news of them away from us as much as possible. We don't really want to put up too much. We do occasionally do some COD, um, Call of Duty posts because of the fact that it's helping the actual developers, not the company. Um, obviously, if you have stopped playing Activision Blizzard games, just remember that it's the actual developers because they don't get the bonuses that will suffer, uh, which is sad, unfortunately. I wish that wasn't the way, but it is. Uh, but... This Call of Duty publisher uh, has been accused of coercing employees into keeping quiet, including threats and stalking. It just gets worse. Uh, they have teamed up with a media labour union to accuse a company of union busting and worker intimidation. Uh, they filed a complaint with the US National Labour Relations Board alleging that Activision has violated federal labour law uh, by coercing employees into keeping quiet about ongoing investigations, including the recent sexual harassment discrimination lawsuit. Uh, the complaint states Activision Blizzard has repeatedly engaged in unlawful conduct by threatening employees in the exercise of rights guaranteed by Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. It's a bit legal jargon there. Uh, it also alleges that Activision Blizzard has threatened employees that they cannot talk about or communicate wages, hours and working conditions. Yes, they can. It's called freedom. It's called rights. And they have freedoms to do what they want. You don't control them outside of work. Uh, told employees they cannot communicate with discuss ongoing 
uh, investigations of working conditions. Yes, they can. Uh, maintained an overly broad social media policy. Uh, enforced the social media policy against employees who have gained or engaged in protected concerted activity. So they're trying to threaten employees who have spoken out on social media about what Activision Blizzard is like on the inside. Hmm. They've also threatened or disciplined employees on account of protected coercive activity. So they've tried to fire employees for talking. And they threatened them. Uh, in what way, I have no idea. I would, if it's with violence or something, then that's unbelievable. Um, they've also engaged in surveillance of employees outside of work. They've been stalking these people and taking photos. Uh, engaged in interrogation of employees. I don't know about you, but that sounds vaguely criminal to me. Uh, protected coercive activity includes legal employee retaliation and activism. Uh, which was the walkout staged by the employees in July. Uh, last month, California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the DFEH, uh, updated its harassment and discrimination lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, alleging the company had shredded documents, which, if you don't know, uh, is also a federal crime, uh, because if you shred documents that are pertaining to an investigation being carried out by the federal government, you can spend a minimum of about 10 years in prison. Uh, relate to the case and was now interfering with the department's mandate to investigate the accusations. Uh, the updated complaint also accused Activision Blizzard of taking adverse actions aimed at curtailing employee rights uh, in the government enforcement action by requiring its employees to agree to a waiver of rights and trying to obtain or obtain repressive, if not punitive, secret settlements of sexual harassment claims, non-disclosure agreements and non-disparagement agreements with several severe penalties against employees. So if they don't sign documents saying they won't speak out, they're looking at severe penalties. What exactly are you going to do? Because quite frankly, if I was working there and you were doing this to me, I'd tell you, to F off, I'm not working there anymore, go fuck yourselves, I'm gone. I'd go elsewhere. I'd look for another employer because I guarantee... Developers are very hard to come by, especially ones that are very, very skilled. And they're usually snapped up by the big companies automatically because they're like gold dust to a developer, to a, to a development company. An individual developer who's got extreme talent and skill is very much sought after. A number of the Activision Blizzard developers, the people that work there, are very highly skilled. They're very good at what they do. Which, if they wanted to, they could leave there. I mean, they, Activision Blizzard does have thousands of staff. I don't know whether every company, there'd even be enough jobs going around. But there's indie developers who need help. You could easily go out independent or clump together and go start your own company. Because I guarantee people would help you out if you left and went elsewhere. Don't stick with Activision if this is what they're doing. This is not a company that's going to change. Not with things like this. They're never ever going to change. Because it's embedded to the root of their core. Um, Bobby Kotich is never going to leave. Fran Townsend is never going to leave. Their jobs are safe. They'll be there forever. The only way that this company will ever die. Is if shareholders and investors pull their money. And everybody starts buying Activision Blizzard games. That will never happen. Obviously. Because people like Call of Duty. It's a massive franchise. Investors are still making a lot of money with Activision Blizzard. Obviously, it's not great because of the public image, but at the same time, they're making a lot of money, and money's king in this world, obviously. Obviously, but developers and, and investors, and they all care about what's going on here, 
we've already seen that with investors pulling out of Activision Blizzard and suing them because of the fact that they've lied and hid this, these allegations and what's happening in the back. Apologies if you can hear that drill. I've closed the window so I can't get rid of the sound. People know what's going on. There's obviously lawsuits happening because of what's going on. Investors are suing Activision Blizzard. So people care about what's happening. But at the same time, there's going to be a number of companies or a number of people involved in that company at the very top end of the company who are going to be absolutely fine. They're never, ever going to leave. And I don't know how what would need to be done to get rid of Bobby Kotich because I think he's the one that's fueled this culture in this company and has allowed it to fester for this long and has kept this going. Because now he's organising, which is why he bought in Wilma Hale, who's a union-busting law firm. They're not there for the workers, despite what Bobby Kotick says. They're there to protect the company and him. They're to protect Bobby Kotick's rights, not the, not the individual developer. They don't care. The only reason this company's here is to make sure that Bobby Kotick's job is fine. And they win this lawsuit against the federal government, which they're not going to. Because the only time that they would ever win is if nobody spoke out, because the government would not have any evidence. This isn't red versus blue here, obviously. This is not Democrat versus Republican. Federal government have absolutely no interest in protecting Activision Blizzard. They, they don't gain anything from doing that. The number of employees that have come out and said, I was sexually assaulted, I was raped, I was physically threatened now i'm being stalked they're threatening me to have fire get fired and they're going to do this to me and that to me we don't know the ins and outs or the the specific details of what these supposed um threats are you could probably guess if they're threatening with violence or they're going to do something to you personally then call the police because this is going further than the civil matter uh, employees have to notify, uh, apparently have to notify Activision Blizzard before they talk to a DFEH or any government agency. No, they don't. Uh, they have to also permit the company to take all steps it deems appropriate to prevent or limit the required disclosure. <laughs> okay, so they're trying to basically stop people being able to talk to a government agency who are investigating you. That is also a federal crime. I don't know the exact terminology here because I'm not versed in US law or not as, as versed as I could be. But I'm pretty sure that if there's a witness that's being called by a government agency to give testimony, that's interfering with a witness. That can land you in prison for a very, very, very long time. So the fact that they've actually saying that they're trying to put ask employees to notify the company before they talk to the government and have to permit the company to take all steps it deems to be appropriate to prevent or limit the required disclosure is criminal. Uh, employees have to jointly request along with Activision Blizzard that some disclosure should be filed under seal not in the public record so the media and regular members of the public don't know what's going on because obviously this is going to absolutely destroy Activision Blizzard's reputation. I think they've done enough damage already, but the fact that, you know, this is still going on, and they now don't want people to even know about it. Uh, the suit says DFEH found evidence that the company discriminated against female employees 
in terms of employment, uh, compensation, assignment, promotion, termination, constructive discharge and retaliation. And that female employees were subject to constant sexual harassment. It was also obviously announced earlier this month that J. Allen Brack was named in the DFEH law, so he will be leaving the company. As he no longer works there, he's no longer required to uh, appear before the government. I think that was his uh, his way out. He no longer is working at the company, so he can't be brought up on charges as far as lawsuit goes. He can't be sued with the company because he no longer works there, and they don't have to. They can't call him as a witness either. It's a very smart legal move. It does happen constantly. Uh, the lawsuit and Activision Blizzard's subsequent response uh, led to staff walkout, obviously back in July, uh, which was signed by thousands of current former, current and former employees. Uh, in early August, it was announced that obviously Brack would be leaving. Uh, as one of the few people named was accused of failing to take appropriate action, uh, he will be leaving to pursue new opportunities. I think your time in gaming is done, Mr. Brack. Nobody's going to touch you with a 10-foot barge pole. Uh, Activision Blizzard employees say CEO statement has failed to address their concerns and they will not return to silence. Uh, Bobby Kotich obviously then tried to claim during an earnings call that the company will set an example on how to handle sexual assault and discrimination. Yeah, sweep it under the rug, Bobby. We know your salt, scumbag. However, a week later, the SOC Investment Group, which owns shares in Activision Blizzard, uh, obviously stated that they would be suing Activision Blizzard because of these lawsuits. Uh, good on them. Uh, also coming out from Bloomberg, uh, they filed a Labour Board complaint. Uh, the US National Labour Board uh, accused Activision of violating federal labour law uh, through coercion actions and statements. Uh, the employers threatened employees that they cannot talk or communicate about wages or working conditions. Uh, the agency's docket shows that CWA's complaint was filed September 10th. Activision did not reply to requests for comment on Thursday, uh, Tuesday, I should say, sorry. Uh, Activision Blizzard, which creates games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, is embroiled in a controversy over his treatment of employees. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I guarantee you, Activision Blizzard is losing this lawsuit, and if this doesn't irreparably damage Bobby Kotick's reputation, nothing will. Uh, moving on, though, speaking of lawsuits, Epic uh, is appealing the court's ruling in its antitrust lawsuit against Apple. Uh, CEO Tim Sweeney said they're just determined never to fight on after losing his case. Uh, they both lost, actually. Both Epic and Apple lost. Uh, Epic will have to pay millions back, um, 30% from all the money that they uh, got whilst they were using on iOS, whilst they were using that uh, link off-site to their own payment system. Uh, so they would they basically circumvented Apple's payment system and get the money for themselves. Uh, they'll have to pay 30% of that back. Whilst Apple will no longer be able, under any circumstances, um, to do this in future. They won't have they can't force people to pay just Apple. Or have force uh, developers to use Apple's payment system. Uh, Epic called the 30% payment fees charged by Apple exorbitant and excessive compared to its operating costs. Uh, Tim Sweeney wrote on Twitter today lost a court case climbed them out in read hundreds of pages of legal papers uh, wrote some code just to determine a fight on until as a genuine developer and consumer freedom in software and fair competition in each mobile platform software component uh, really he wants to create his own iOS operating system uh, in the verdict published on Friday Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers denied Epic's claims that Apple's efforts to keep cons cons I speak to say that again so let's cut that 
uh, to keep customers within the iOS ecosystem amounted to anti-competitive behavior and included that it was not a monopolist under either federal or state antitrust laws. Uh, the judge also agreed that Epic had breached its contract to allow users to buy Fortnite V-Bucks directly, circumventing the App Store's 30% cut. As such, Epic must pay back 30% of the sum $12 million it earned from August to October of last year, uh, plus 30% of any money collected using direct methods since. And the only ruling Epic succeeded in, uh, December 9th, Apple will no longer be able to restrict developers from including links or buttons that point users to external payment options where they can pay for services without Apple taking a cut. Uh, this mean, would mean, obviously, Apple is going to lose billions over the long term. Apple is going to be financially worse off than Epic is. But at the same time, Epic did not win in their lawsuit, regardless. Anyway, uh, Rogers agreed that Apple's restrictions against such methods were a violation of California's unfair competition law and issued a permanent injunction against Apple. Uh, reacting to the lost case, CEO and founder Tim Sweeney said this weekend that this company is just determined never to fight on. I'm not surprised that Epic lost. Uh, I'm I'm happy they lost, kind of, um, because of the fact that it's just they're just so greedy. I mean, they run, they own Unreal Engine. It's on every. It's going to be used in every game system for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. They are the number one default gaming system, game engine. On the planet, pretty much everybody will be using them. This bit is an early stage of it. Is built into the PS5. Most PS or Xbox Series X games are now being made using Unreal Engine. Unity is going to be struggling, but Fortnite's the biggest game out there, and they're still not happy about being made to pay thirty percent. It just it just seems so greedy to me. I don't know why. Uh, obviously, no Callum this week, so. I've had to do deals by myself. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any of that Callum's help because he is the deal maestro. Uh, hopefully, I'll have some more deals this next Wednesday. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Uh, we should link will obviously be in the description below. Find the YouTube video. He does usually post Wednesday or Thursday morning. Uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday morning. Uh, he'll have some more deals up then. Uh, scalpers are reportedly getting 30% less for PS5, which is very good news. Uh, but unfortunately, Xbox Series X prices are still at the same amount. Uh, resellers are only getting 30% less. Uh, they have remained comparable due to fewer shortages. Uh, that's according to Secretary Market StockX, uh, which shared the data with Forbes. According to people the publication spoke to, uh, while the prices scalpers are getting for PS5 consoles have declined, uh, the volume of consoles being so sold has remained steady. Uh, StockX is a reseller site launched in 2016, uh, which was originally uh, selling sneakers. They are a scalping website. Uh, they expanded to electronics from the launch of next-gen consoles last November. Uh, to date, this claimed that they are, have sold 130,000 PS5s. Please stop buying from them. This is making this matter worse. Uh, the company claims PS5 prices have fallen by almost 30% since their peak, uh, which was £1,000 on Cyber Weekend last year. Uh, September, the console dropped to 715 which was 10% less than in June. Uh, they have peaked at 1,000 on Cyber Weekend 2020. It's now selling for just under 700 which is 6% less than in May. Originally retailed £500, though. So if people are spending £1,000 on a console, that is double the amount of retail. Stop it. Uh, Xbox Series X have prices that have remained uh, compared closely to what they were at launch, uh, including dropped, even though the price has dropped by 25% for Cyber Weekend week. Its lowest price in, as of July is 600 which is about £75 over retail. Uh, Xbox has seen a significant boost this month, though. StockX said selling for an average price of 725 which is only 25 to 75 less than its peak. 
Additionally, note that resellers attempted to capitalise on recent reports under around the updated PS5 model. Uh, we will have news on that. I don't think a lot of people are going to be too happy with Sony uh, when I hear it. Um, but THQ Nordic's uh, 10th anniversary uh, showcase was, I think it was last night. Um, Yes, yesterday. Uh, so, every new game announced, we actually have a list. Uh, congratulations to THQ Nordic. They have announced they have got 42 games currently in development, which is astounding. Uh, they have real multiple games ranging from remasters to surprise sequels. Uh, Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed is leaked ahead of schedule. Uh, that is one game is actually launching, and I really want to play Destroy All Humans 2. I absolutely love the first game. Uh, a remake of the original uh, Destroy All Humans 2 was leaked a bit early by accident. Uh, THQ has revealed a full has plan has had a full reveal plan for its 10th anniversary. Uh, the developers are calling Destroy All Humans 2 a full remake, building the entire game back from scratch. Though the original title will retain the old voiceovers, there was also some new tech underneath the hood with a brand new destruction physics. Um, I didn't play. I didn't know there was Destroy All Humans 2 original. I thought they only made one, which was news to me, actually. Uh, well done to THQ for actually doing a remake, though. I don't know if, if I didn't hear of Destroy All Humans 2. It must not have sold very well, to be honest. I didn't know that existed. I'll have to check it out. I'll have a look. Uh, there's also some new tech underneath the hood and brand new destruction physics engine. Uh, destroying buildings in a space shot will even be more dynamic, according to developers. Uh, Black Forest Games also announced split-screen co-op be available in the, sea, in the sequel. That is insane. Uh, Outcast 2, A New Beginning. Uh, from developer Appeal is getting a sequel. Space Marine Cutter Slade will start on a brand new adventure for the first time after two decades. Uh, Outcast was the first true open world game in a modern era, and it's a sense of scale and exploration that was ahead of anything else in its time. Uh, to help retain the feeling of the original developers, Outcast include 10 members from the original development team. They're also being developed exclusively for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Sorry, last gen. Uh, Jagged Alliance 3 is another game that's coming out for the first true sequel. Uh, since 1999, developed by Surviving Mars team at Hayamont Games, Jagged Edge modernises the turn-based tactics of the original. Uh, Expeditions Rome is another game that's coming out. Um, a true role-playing game. Players will have to make choices through the game which will affect how the story unfolds. Uh, MX vs ATV Legends has also uh, been given another game, uh, as well as some non-racing side activities. Superpower 3 uh, is a game I'm looking forward to. Uh, elect your way to political victory in the next game in the Superpower series. Uh, become head of state and develop your country's global standing while fighting political battles on your home turf. Uh, you can choose from 193 nations recognised by the United Nations. Uh, you may build up your country, attempt to find world peace or world domination. Uh, Alex 2 Story Trailer, uh, ambitious sci-fi RPG, came out in 2017. Uh, it was released at the height of Europe's RPG Gold Rush. Uh, the sequel is looking to build upon the first game and hopefully fix some of the core mechanical issues along the way. Uh, THQ Nordic also released a cinematic trailer, which will be in the link below. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, a Cosmic Shake, is another game they're also announced. Uh, but they do have 42 games um, currently in development. A number of comments here. No Darksiders was disappointing. The franchise is probably dead, sadly. Uh, that came from one user. Uh, there was one other one. Calm L Stats Triple Six said nothing too so nothing too spicy. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I think a number of them games look awesome. I can't wait to play some. I love THQ Nordic. I think they're an amazing publisher. Uh, and final bit of news before we go for a break. Uh, PlayStation Studio Fire Sprite is working on a new AAA narrative adventure. 
uh, Fire Sprite, UK-based game developer recently acquired by PlayStation, uh, is hiring a writer for new narrative adventure AAA, and a job posting on the website. Fire Sprite is looking for the a developer or a writer, sorry, for the development of an ambitious unannounced AAA sequel. Uh, the title job will require the writer to create something compelling character and story and an ideal candidate is someone who understands how to construct a branching narrative uh, although firespire is best known for a vr work um, having developed games like persistence and the playroom uh, firespire managing director graham anchors told gameindustry.biz that it's not guaranteed the firm will exclusively work on vr games now that he's joined playstation the philosophy we have is to really innovate and create on any platform uh, whether that's VR or non-VR, Anchor's added. Uh, they haven't necessarily ruled out waking other VR games in the future, though. Uh, and finally, uh, we will be back in just a few minutes. Thank you for joining us, episode 30 of the Talking Games podcast. This is the major from ICUGaming.com, and now also Buzzsaw Games. Are you a developer and need some support? Come work with us at Buzzsaw. Whether you need QA testing, servers, web design, graphic design, 2D art, or anything else... Send an email to info at buzzsawgames.com. We guarantee a fast turnaround. And if we can't beat what you currently pay, we'll match it and throw in a free 24-hour QA session. For more info, contact us at info at buzzsawgames.com. Uh, we're back. Blizzard has said consumers should do what they do, feel is right when considering Diablo 2 Remake. Uh, there was obviously mass... Um outrage at Diablo 2. Uh, developers behind the upcoming remake have said they should do what they feel is right when seen by the game or not. Uh, it releases next week, 23rd, September 23rd. Uh, first game from Activision Blizzard since the California obviously lawsuit in late July, accusing it of failing to handle sexual harassment and discrimination complaints. Uh, however, speaking to Axios, uh, the studio's designer, Rob Gallerini said that the allegations had caused it to review its processes and asked its own employees how it could improve its work culture. Yeah, give over. Uh, it was def def definitely very troubling to hear these sorts of things. He said on the misconduct allegations, and we wanted to support our colleagues and our co workers. Uh, in July, the World of Warcraft team started to remove references to former employees from the MMO after one ex designer who had characters and items named after him was invented in the sexual harassment lawsuit. Uh, that would be Alex Afra Shabi. Uh, Diablo 2's Resurrected Gallerini told Axios that the remake's changes include a redesign for female Amazon Warrior. He said a revamp was primarily intended to make all the characters look more like warriors rather than people rolled out of a nightclub. Uh, Activision Blizzard confirmed the departure of more, three more uh, senior executives also, including Louis Barriga, uh, lead designer Jesse McCree, who was an, um, also a member who uh, involved his image and likeness and stuff into uh, into the game. Uh, including one of the popular characters, I think it's called McCree as well. Um, I'm not too caught up in World of Warcraft. Um, this morning, the scene designer Jonathan LaCraft was also let go on Wednesday. Uh, disgusting, quite frankly, disgusting. Uh, I'm I would consider not buying it for the simple fact that if you're not a World of Warcraft player, or even if you are, uh, it's not something you need to play because of the facts that. Take it from me, Diablo 2 is a buggy, crappy mess, and it's not a great game. Uh, World of Warcraft, in Diablo 2 in general, is gone downhill drastically, creatively. It's not the game that I remember. Uh, I'm not too interested in playing any more World of Warcraft, to be honest. Diablo 2, take it from me, don't buy it. If you, if you, if you really want it, then yeah, but other than that, I'd say don't bother. Um... 
Last bit of news this week, uh, before we have our music in a bit. Uh, João Cancelo, um, Loris, and a number of other players. Some player ratings have been announced for FIFA 22. Uh, we are going to give you a breakdown of all of them right now. Uh, so, João Cancelo currently rate 86 overall. Uh, in FIFA 22, Hugo Lloris is down to 87. I think he was 88 or 89 last year. Uh, Pogba still remaining the same, 87. Alexander-Arnold is down from 91. He's now 87. That's confusing. Uh, Jaden Sancho is no longer going to be in the 90s either. He's now 87 overall. Uh, Robertson will also be 87. Uh, Ruben Diaz, Man City, 87. Sterling, 88. Uh, Lukaku is now 88. Bruno Fernandes will no longer be able to go up to... I think he was at 90, I think was his highest potential. Uh, he's now potential is 88th overall. Edison, 89. Uh, Mane will no longer be in the 90s. He's now 89. Uh, Allison 89. Sun, 89. Van Dijk, 89. Salah, 89. Uh, he's no longer be in the 90s either. Kante is now 90. Uh, Harry Kane, 90. Ronaldo, 91. He was 93 last season. He's now 91. Uh, De Bruyne... 91. Uh, you'll be able to see. We'll post a link to all of these. Uh, we did get sent these earlier today. Uh, there is more. That is just the Premier League, the first 22. Uh, we do have other ones for the Bundesliga as well and Syria. Um, so, uh, Alex Witzel, uh, Weitzel, might be Weitzel, uh, Borussia Dortmund 83, uh, Herodeki 83, goalkeeper, uh, Lucas Hernandez 83. He's gone down as well, I believe. He was, I think, about 83 or 84. Might still be the same. Uh, Angelino from uh, RB Leipzig, 83. Kamarik, uh, 83. Liam Weghurst, he's 83. Uh, Sane is now 84. That's shocking because he was one of the high-rated prospects a couple of years ago. I think it was FIFA 18, FIFA 19. Um, he was one player you had to get, and he used to play on the left wing, obviously. But he was one player you needed. Uh, he was very highly rated. I think it went up to about 89, 90 at one point. Um, Guerrero from Dortmund is now 84 left back. Uh, Andre Silva, 84. Uh, I have got him on my ultimate team. Andre Silva is phenomenal. Uh, Ginter, 84. Uh, Kostic, 84. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, Sabitza, uh, 84 now as well. Galatsky uh, from RB Leipzig, 85. Soma, 85. Royce. Which is surprising because he is in his 30s now. He's 85. Uh, Nabry also 85. Coman 86. Castile's 86. Hummel's 86. Uh, Thomas Muller 87. Haaland. Considered by many to be, you know, Haaland and Mbappe will generally consider. I know this is a sports podcast, but generally they're considered the two best players, young best foot players in the world. They're the next Messi and Ronaldo. Haaland, I would expect it to be higher than 88. If he doesn't go up to 90s or can't grow any more to 90s with dynamic play, I suggest that they up, up that because 88 is not high enough for a player of his talent. He scores every single game. He never misses. It's ridiculous. Uh, Goretzka, 87. Kimmich, 89. Same as last year. Noah, 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 I can never pronounce his name. 90. And Lewandowski, 92, which is shocking for a player of 34 years old. But anyway... Uh, Last bit, I know you guys want to hear the Serie A, uh, if you're a FIFA player, I know I do, um, I'm going to read them out to you now, uh, Dzeko, Eden Dzeko, 83, uh, not, not a lot of people like Eden Dzeko, but never mind, uh, Chiesa, 83, he's at, um, right, right winger from Juventus, uh, Mertens, 84, 
Ilicic, 84. Magnan, 84. Luis Alberto, 84, which is a bit shocking. Ibrahimovic, 84. In, correct me if I'm wrong, FIFA 21, he went, I think he was like low 80s, high in 70s. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's, he was, I don't think he's 84 because he's 35 years old. Uh, Brozovic, I mean, he is one of the greatest players ever, but still. Uh, 84. Um, Kessie, Kessia, 84. Uh, Theo Hernandez, 84. Uh, De 85. He's a player that does go up to 90s with potential if he's, if he still has, it depends. I mean, he could easily go up to 90s. He is a very, very talented centre-back. Uh, Borella, 84. Uh, Milinkovic Savage, 85, which is about the same as he had last year. He does go up to 89, I think, is potential. Uh, Martinez, 85. He does go up to 92 uh, with potential. Bonucci, uh, which a man every England player <laughs> or England fan hates right now from last year's uh, Euro, Euro Cup. Um, Devoy, uh, 85. Both of them, 85. Shalini is another player that England fans hate, 86. Uh, Koulibaly, 86. Skriniar, 86. Handovic, 86. Insignia, 86, which is shocking because last year he was 81 highest, which is mad. Uh, Immobile, 87. Dybala, 87. And Schnetzky, or Schnezny, uh, 87 as well. Uh, those are the FIFA rankings, FIFA 22. Uh, we will bring out some more FIFA news when we come. So I hope we have played the, uh, the demo for FIFA 22. Absolutely loved it. Um, there are a number of issues, though, with the game. And I'm going to wait and reserve... Um, what I think of the game in total, because I'm going to do a review on FIFA 22 soon, uh, when the game launches next week. Um, because I think there's... I was waiting for for the full game to come out, because the, the demo I played was a buggy horrible mess. But, realistically, the game is okay. I think the gameplay-wise, mechanic-wise, it's a lot better than the previous iteration. It is a very good game as far as being able to create your club. It does need some more options down the line. I think it's a little bit limited. Um, I'm hoping that was just the demo and it wasn't the full thing, um, because there is a number of bugs and things within that, uh, within that creator team, uh, new thing they're doing with career mode, um, that really limited the game quite badly, um, but I think FIFA 22 could be a good game, I think it may be one of the high rated FIFA games that comes out, um, I know they do these every single year, but I think FIFA 22 is, is fairly decent. It's a lot better than FIFA 21 was. It just I'm hope, waiting for the full game before I give my conclusion on what I think of it because of the fact that the, the demo that we played was broken in a lot of parts. But anyway, uh, speaking of PS5 from earlier, uh, Digital Foundry, uh, which obviously we spoke of, has confirmed the new PS5 is exactly the same as the last one. Uh, the PS5 CFI... 1100 review uh, is better or worse the Sony's refined models really sure and non-controversial uh, new PS5 model on the market uh, replaces the launch model already shared early impressions around the game finding that all practical terms however questions remain about the decisions made and how Sony has delivered this new rendition uh, if there really is any genuine difference between it to assess uh, for more dimensions uh, the author said he devised a series of performance tests comparing for the console uh, to a launch machine it's turned out to be somewhat more challenging than you might imagine because fundamentally one of the big successes of the new wave of consoles is that the game performance is generally excellent uh getting meaningful numbers is the case of isolating repeatable situations in a range of games where you can unlock a frame rate or bring about sustained drops between 60 frames per second in theory this testing should be entirely super superfluous 
super I can't speak. Uh, second dimension in the testing comes down to the hardware makeup of the machine itself. So after an issue report, uh, he was able to approach by Steve Burke at Gamers and Xbox to see about finding a machine for him to test. Uh, they are renowned for the quality of his deep dive hardware analysis. And nobody's more thought thorough in hardware testing, so he's happy to send on a unit. Uh, to the end user, though, the difference between PlayStation 5 old and new is minimal. Uh, the new machine is indeed lighter, it's about 300 grams. Uh, the physical dimensions are the same, and it's still a hefty piece of kit. Uh, there is a small quality of life improvement, however, uh, it's now infamous new screw for the stand. This allows the stand to be attached easily enough by hand without the need for a screwdriver, which is nice. It also encourages users to attach the stand, that's a good thing. Uh, they, in Gaming Nexus tests, adding this stand gives a degree of additional cooling, although removing the side panels altogether is also advantageous, which is something I'll probably be doing. Uh, internally, the embedded video below, uh, which we'll include from Gamers Nexus, should tell you everything you need to know about the performance of the new cooler. Uh, but perhaps the biggest takeaway is that Sony hasn't just swapped out the thermal assembly, also adjusted the main board itself and the base plate. Uh, the bullet takeaways from days of testing are relatively straightforward. There's an improvement to temperatures on the voltage regulators. Uh, min memory temperatures are better in some respects and worse than others. Only a few degrees difference in overall. And the main processor may well be a few degrees hotter. Uh, there is no evidence that it's presenting anything worth worrying about overall. Won't damage your console. Um, there is also no evidence of anything worth worrying about. You're assuming you keep your PS5 in a well-ventilated area. So don't put it in a hot room with next to a hot TV because of this, because it will overheat. Uh, as well with any other piece of modern gaming hardware. Uh, enclosing the console in something like a media cabinet is fundamentally a very bad idea. Uh, which is why I felt which the author felt compelled to include some testing on this gameplay analysis on the new machine. Elsewhere, the PS5 has similar characteristics to the old one. Uh, fan temperatures dictated by the power being drawn by the processor and not the actual temperature of the chip itself. He noted that the new PS5 seemed to touch louder than Yorks units. Uh, but according to Steve at Gamers Necklace, this is entirely normal. And even between PS5s of the same generation, there can be a per unit variance in fan speed of around 100 RPM. Which would explain the loud noise. Uh, there is a sense that the PS5 will run as hot as it needs to in order to maintain system performance. And curiously, even if it gets significantly hotter, the fans won't spin up. So even if it gets hotter, the fan won't go faster. It will just keep going. Uh, the machine gets reached at unsafe temperatures, it automatically shuts down instead. So instead of the fans go working harder to keep the console cool, it'll just switch off. Uh, if the machine gets reached unsafe temperatures. Uh, general use of the fan is curious. Sony is very conserv conservative in its use and cooling could be improved with only minimal change in acoustics. Uh, the overall takeaway is that ensuring a quiet experience appears to be Sony's top priority. Gameplay tests uh, try to be as thorough as possible. Also, choose a range of titles we can reliably track and repeat performance issues. Uh, they isolated areas in God, Godfall, uh, Devil May Cry 5, Resident Evil, Village, Control, and Marvel Spider-Man. A replicate game rendering that dropped between 60 frames per second. Multiple runs were carried out to establish how stable these scenes were on the same machine. Uh, and then compared the CF care the two, uh, the launch model and the CFI. 1100 the result is that the new model ran exactly as you would expect uh, for those concerned the boost clock may drop back under the high temperatures he also put the new ps5 into a media cabinet with little airflow run it with a console consuming over 200 watts for two hours and then benchmarks again finding no difference whatsoever uh, despite the console itself being warm to the touch when you retreat from the cabinet and actually being hot on the rear exhaust uh, the ps5 will keep on playing until it hits the specific max temperature and then that will power itself down they won't progressively get slow in that way. It's just the CPU or the GP, uh, GPU will. Uh, ultimately, 
uh, hoping that test puts them out of the new PS5 to bend once for all. Relatively, this is no different from the last model. Um, they, they've tried to calm uh, the loud noise, um, but by uh, lowering the risk to your console and risk you losing game uh, game data and keeping the console cooler, which is nice to see. Uh, also, in other news, CF 343 plans no, ha, claimed no plans to bring Halo 5 to PC despite leaked list appearance. Uh, this came from Video Game Chronicle. A PC port was listed in the original NVIDIA GeForce Now database leak. Uh, it is not coming to PC anytime soon. Despite its appearance on a recently leaked NVIDIA GeForce Now database, uh, the data mined by Ecor Julie earlier this week uncovered potential listings for many unannounced games, including Gear 6, uh, a Steam version of God of War, and a PC port of Halo 5. Uh, Jared replies to two Halo fans on Twitter, confirming that 343 Industries is not working on a Halo 5 port and no plans for one in the future. Uh, that was announced on Twitter. He said maybe this was for Halo 5 Forge, but I confirm there are no plans to bring Halo 5 to PC. Although NVIDIA has since confirmed their leak list on titles on its database is real, it stresses that the gaming list was speculative, so do not get your hopes up. Uh, in other kind news, uh, celebrating his recent reveal, Project E's direct director has bought 260 PS5s for his staff. Please tell me where you got them from. Uh, after the action adventure game was featured in Sony's PS5 showcase, uh, the boss of developer Shift Up has reportedly purchased a new P uh, PS5 console for each member of staff in Korea. Uh, the action adventure game was originally announced for PS4, Xbox, and PC. Uh, PS5 version of Shift Up's debut console was shown during the recent Sony event. Uh, he also he said he had just made the game show in a major PlayStation conference. Probably wouldn't be too hard to secure 260 units. CEO said he chose PS5 as a prior gift so all employees can play the game when it comes out, which is very nice. That's lovely. Uh, if you don't know what Project Eve is, we will include the link to the trailer below. Uh, the new RPG being teased, also another one uh, by Sega, appears to be a mobile game. Uh, from the live stream at Tokyo Game Show. It's a, little, a few people weren't too happy about the fact that it could be mobile. Um, I think a lot of people are looking for a new Sega uh, console game. But uh, they have launched a teaser site for the game, which is accompanied by the trailer. Uh, though the website doesn't specifically mention mobile anywhere, the trailer has Japanese voiceover uh, that refers to smartphones at one point. According to the voiceover, the game will feel more like a traditional pen and paper RPG, where the player will take more friends, create their own story. I'm not too much of a fan of that, to be honest, but there you go. Uh, live stream feature, the new game is set to take place at 10pm Japan time, and will also include content from Atlas, a subsidiary responsible for the Persona and Shin Megami Tensai games. Uh, the stream also featured Sakura Wars, which celebrated its 25th anniversary this year. Uh, Tokyo Game Show takes place September 30th to October 3rd, and will include more than 40 presentations. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, Twitch, and on the social media platforms. It will be streaming. Uh, Top has set a or expect a celebration with the Asia community and locally relevant updates. Uh, they have Square Enix has also confirmed they're doing a 50 minute uh, show. We likely provide updates on the Final Fantasy series and more according to the event description. Uh, the latest news about upcoming titles along with pre-announced information. Uh, last bit of news this week though, uh, Sony. Uh, well, not Sony, Sonic, so to say, 30 years later. The composer originally developed the Green Hill song. Do, 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 do. You know you want the song I'm going to play. Um, Sato Nakamura's band, Dreams Come True, have released a 30th anniversary song of the Green Hill song, of the Green Hill Zone from the original Sonic, with lyrics 
uh, which is very cool. I've started this earlier. Uh, the musician who composed the song for the first two Sonic games has released a song that finally gives the Green Hill Zone theme lyrics. Uh, they have announced it on Twit on YouTube, I should say. Uh, we will obviously include the link um, to this below. Uh, celebrate 30th anniversary. They've released a song called Zuginu Seno D on the uh, Green Hill. Apologies if I butchered that. I'm not versed in Japanese. Uh, the song was composed by Nakamura and written by his bandmate Miwa Yoshida. Uh, the song is currently available on Spotify in two versions, a normal slower paced and a faster remix version, which sounds like the original Mega Drive game, which is the one I've been listening to. Uh, despite Nakamura's ties with Sonic, it's very rare that his work of dreams come true in Sonic crossover. Uh, the band's 1992 album, The Swing Star, has a song called Sweet, 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 which Nakamura, not the wrestler, uh, then turned into the Sonic 2 end credits music. Which is also very iconic. Uh, we will include a link to that. And I think that's going to play us out, actually. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Episode 30 of the Talking Games podcast with me, the Major. Uh, we will be back next Sunday. Uh, hopefully with Callum and Shinobi this time. Um, but if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like. Uh, make sure you create an account on the website. It helps us out. Uh, find us on all socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Uh, videos every Wednesday and Friday. And this podcast obviously goes up on Saturday. We've tried to put as many trailers up as you can. Obviously, we're very short-staffed trying to get the stuff up on the website and social media. So if you'd like to join us at Games Inquirer, send us something, video message, send us an email, send us a text. Uh, you can find all the details on the website, uh, gamesinquirer.com forward slash contact. Uh, if you'd like to come work with us, uh, if you'd like to do anything here, uh, if you have a podcast, gaming podcast, movies, uh, you know, tabletop, anything like that, uh, send us a message as well. Uh, we are trying to get as much content on the website as possible. We don't just want to do video games. We want to do everything uh, because we love pretty much everything. And we want you know, to, to branch out into different things and try new things ourselves and try and build our horizons because really this is, it's it's a labour of love. We love doing this. But anyway, thank you very much for joining us. Episode 30, we'll be back. We will be back uh, Wednesday with Callum. Uh, thank you to Callum for... <laughs> For having issues with your car and stuff this week. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure you follow us, gamesinquirer.com. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. Take care, guys. It's the Talking Games Podcast.